Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Garden Cultural Podcast with me, Bailey Van Tassel. Today, we have Miss Amy Anthony talking to us about aromatherapy. So it's this whole cool approach um, about creating an aromatic garden to specifically distill plants for their oils and their scent and how it interacts with your body. And it's very scientific. We actually talk about how it's not about the woo-woo. It's actually about the science and getting to know plants in a totally different way. So I'm really excited to jump in. I just know you guys are going to enjoy this. Hello, Amy. How are you? I am wonderful, Bailey. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because you're approaching gardening from a little bit of a unique angle that is new to me. And we're going to get to it in a second, but I'm like eyes wide open, ears wide open, so excited to hear what I have to say. Um, But before we get to it, I would love to hear you introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, Okay. Um, The irony is, is years ago, I used to hate talking about myself. I'd be that person whose heart would be pounding. But um, (laughs) because I speak through plants now, it's it's a way to not be nervous when talking about myself. Yes. Uh, I am um, a professional aromatherapist. I'm a distiller. I'm a gardener. I'm an herbalist. And I am a former uh, market researcher. So earlier, you and I were talking about the archetypal journey of coming home. So basically, Mm -hmm. that's my journey is I grew up in the Hudson Valley of New York State. And I was outside gardening, weeding, um, going through the wetlands, hiking. We would go camping as when I was a child for family vacations. So that was just part of life, and it was a necessity. Like I remember picking lilacs to give to my my uh, teachers um, in Lily of the Valley to give to them, and peonies as a present instead of like a gift. Thanks to my mom, but. Um, <laughs> We moved to Western New York when I was 15. So that's rough, right? For anyone. It's like, you're like, oh, this this sucks, right? And I went through a bout of depression. I was actually a bit suicidal around the age of 14, 15. But plants Mm -hmm. were always a a thing for me. And I was planning my first herb garden when I was like 15, 16. And it was so important. And I moved uh, when I was in junior college. I lived in this crappy neighborhood in Jamestown, New York, but I planted a garden. And uh, it was just, it's vital to, to our health. And I needed to co- go back to the East Coast. And I uh, ended up moving to New York City. I needed to be by culture, needed to be by close to, to the ocean and water. And anyway, I went to school, became a market researcher, did that for a long time. But I knew living in the city, I was ungrounded. I always needed to be by nature. And I did the corporate thing. It was great, but I, I couldn't do it anymore. And around the same time, I was looking to quit my job. I didn't quite quit it yet um, from a major uh, global bank. The oils found me. So Mm. that's really my story is the oils found me. I was obsessed. I'm like, who are these? What are they? What's the deal? And I was buying books like you wouldn't believe. 
And I was like, I must become certified. And I couldn't articulate why. And it was mm. just this drive that I couldn't articulate until recently where I realized the oils were a way to connect me with nature. Mm -hmm. And that's my message to people. No matter where you are, if you're in the inner city, you can make a cup of tea or you could mm. get a bottle of essential oil and have that connection. So it's full circle. I need the plants and that's, that's who I am. <laughs> I, I need the plants and that's who I am. Like, I feel like I could put that on a t-shirt and feel like it was the truth. Um, because I'm really similar and I feel like I'm walking around in my everyday life and feeling like, why don't other people also understand that they need the plants? But it just speaks to us in different ways. And um, I've spoken in the past to an herbalist who talks a lot about how she, she like came to nature and would just sort of like see what a relationship would be like with a plant. When she's in a time of need, that's like her first place that she goes is she sort of calls upon the wisdom of the herbs and the ancestors. That's her process. And it is how she heals and how she just has self-awareness. It's just kind of her way of going outside of herself to, to come back to herself almost. And it sounds really similar for you. So I've not heard too much about, I want to ask about the work side of what you do, this aromatherapy practitioner work, because I think we've been a bit disconnected from like the entire olfactory experience um, and how important that can be. So I would love to hear you describe kind of like what that is and how it's done. Because that was new to me. I've never sought out any sort of like aromatherapy therapy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great question and pondering because aromatherapy has been around for centuries in the sense that people realize the medicinal benefits and therapeutic benefits of aromatic plants, including in cooking and perfumery. This all used to be one thing. Mm. And uh, the modern aromatherapy didn't start until the last century. And it was coined in France in the 1930s by this person named René Maurice Gattefasse. But he, he was a perfumer and, and a chemist. And he realized the therapeutic benefits of oils. Mm. We won't get into this too much, but he had a burn on his hand and he remembered how some folks used lavender essential oil to heal wounds. So he's mm. like, aha, aromatherapy, not mm -hmm, for pleasure, mm -hmm. but it's the therapeutics. Yeah. So um, it's just fascinating. And I I'm, didn't think I'd share that story, but with aromatherapy, we're working with the essential oils. So aromatherapy is the therapeutic application of genuine and authentic essential oils. So no mm -hmm. synthetics, right? We're, we're working mm -hmm. with pure concentrated essential oils. And smell is a part of it. That's just the icing on the cake. That's the stuff that mm. gets our attention. And we do it for pleasure. So um, I like to call this the, like, it's a five, six layer cake. So aromatherapy with the oils, we can have this, this liking and disliking of a scent, which could be therapeutic. Because if you like something, you're changing your internal chemistry, right? Or if you dislike something, you're changing your internal chemistry, your your neurotransmission. Yeah. We have what, right? So right. No, I like, mean, yeah, it is mind, it mind blowing. Seems, <laughs> but it's I, it's just exciting for me because, like you said, this 
sensorial uh, experience of smelling, scent is overlooked because it's, it's like that. It's instant recognition. It's two synapses away from cortical tissue. So mm. it's immediate. It's, it's chemosensorial. And so you're working with scent reception, scent identification, which is also linked to memory and memory formation. So that's powerful too. So if you have someone, this is clinical, you have someone in um, like an Alzheimer's patient and they're agitated. And if you can bring them a, a, a scent, like let's say it's neroli, like they lived in Spain or Italy and they mm. love the scent of neroli or orange blossom, you could give them that smell. It's proven that that helps reduce their anxious states. Mm. Even from mm. memory association. I know. And then further... There's the actual chemosensorial inhalation where some of these molecules can bypass the blood-brain barrier. Mm -hmm. Some of them, you, when you breathe the oils in, you're not only getting neurotransmission, you're also working with receptor sites. So we need more research on this, but GABA receptors, serotonin mm -hmm. receptors, oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And they're also uh, really antimicrobial. So the, these components of essential oils. or like if you just go outside and take basil and crush it and smell, you know, that's, there's something yeah. to that. There's a lot that is so exciting about this every time I talk about it. <laughs> no, totally. Well, and I think like, so tell me a little bit about the oil work in particular. Um, I don't want anyone to be on here and thinking you're like representing some sort of like an MLM or something like that, but I would love to hear about how important it is if you are working with essential oils like how to know that they're super pure? Do we need to distill our own? Is that easy to do? I've, I've been tempted because I've seen people distilling. Well, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm a hobbyist. Like I should be doing this. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. And just uh, thank you for saying that I am totally independent. I do not represent any companies. I don't advocate for any companies. I do advocate for small batch distillers and people that cool. focus on local Get, get to know your local aromatics. Ooh, I, I am a just right? They're right outside your door. You live in California, right? There's so yeah. many gorgeous aromatics. That could be your, na that's your natural medicine. Mm -hmm. um, so distilling is easy to do once you get your process down. I do it to obtain the hydrosol because it takes so much plant material to obtain a little bit of essential oil. So we have to be responsible and think about sustainability. And I think that's becoming a bigger part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. It has to be because I just saw a statistic. I can't tell you how many billions of dollars this industry is. And this includes perfumery, flavor fragrance, and retail essential oils. Uh, I wish I had the figure, but I don't. But bill, billions, it's kind of disgusting. Um, but quality. These are highly sought after. And honestly, to the best of my knowledge, a lot of people that are growers and producers live in not don't live in conditions like you and I live in. If you're getting vetiver from India or patchouli, or you know, it's like okay, let's think about the supply chain. But when you buy a bottle of oil, anyone can do this. Go to I'm picking on Walmart. Go to Walmart, buy an oil that's probably too cheap. They should cost a little bit of money, but not too much. Buy that and then try to find, do a little research, go online and buy another oil of the same oil. Let's say you get peppermint. If you smell like the Walmart peppermint, it might smell flat. I say they smell metallic. 
it might smell dead. It, it, it will just lack soul. And call, I'm mm. not a woo-woo person. You can smell this stuff. This, this stuff should move you and change and, and have a dry down. And, and it should be like a poem. You know, it, it should literally move you. And that's how you know is by smelling. And you just attune to that. And you listen to your body's response. And that will really let you know quality. And a lot of people have done the work for you. There are some really reputable companies out there. Uh, and there are watchdog organizations too and people. Okay. So I want to touch on two things. One is, I think it's obvious just by the way that you speak, how educated you are on this from a science perspective. And I love that you say, I'm not woo-woo. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is like a crunchy woo-woo. The oils, sure. They heal everything. We're so excited. But like you're saying, I mean, this is actually, this is using plants just like we use in medicine every single day. Hello, penicillin, but just in a different form to treat us in a different way. So I'd be excited to hear from you some of your favorite stories of using like aromatherapy or as an, um, an aromatherapy practitioner. I would love to hear some stories or anecdotes, maybe one favorite of like, how this process works for someone. Because if someone's listening and they're like, whoa, like maybe I need this. When, when, when does someone seek out help in this way and what does it look like? Yeah, that's a great question because it's fun trying to figure out the practice of aromatherapy in the United States because we're certified. We cannot diagnose or treat. So this has to be very soft. You know, back mm. when I was in market research, there was a quantitative and a qualitative. So it has to be really qualitative. Mm -hmm. um, but so for instance, uh, a, a story from a long time ago, there is a, unfortunately he's now deceased, someone I volunteered with, and he used to be a semi-pro tennis player and he mm. had hip replacements at a young, youngish age. And I remember making him a balm for mm. his hips and he's like, he, he's like, I could go to sleep. It, it takes the edge off. And that's one thing mm. essential oils do. They're not curing you. They're, they're the spark. They're to nudge you in a direction. Like we're the mm -hmm. ones that have to take control, right? But mm -hmm. he's like, Amy, I can sleep at night. And that was just a huge thing. You're like, yay, I, I comforted this person and changed their that. quality of life, right? Yeah, thank you. So what and, was in this magical balm? Just as an example. I mean, without I, giving away any secrets. No, you know, honestly, for some reason, I'm pretty sure frankincense was in there. Um, it, this is years ago, but for some reason, yeah. uh, that, that story needed to come up. Yeah, his name is his name was Chris. Um, I'm thinking back to a recent client. She came to me with menopause, perimenopausal issues, uh, mm. you know, hot flushes and, and whatnot. So yes, I'm talking about medical conditions, but we all I made her a face oil because what happens is you come to me in person. I give you a whole experience. I make tea for you. We do a complete intake. As we're talking, I'll pull oils. We'll decide what I'm going to make for you. And then at the end, I'll give you a foot soak and all sorts of I'm actually of, like uh, quite devastated that we're not in person together. <laughs> well, when you come visit New York City. But I, I select the oils and I'll listen to you and your needs and I'll try to align you with the oils and the product that's handmade mm -hmm. by me. Um, so she came to me with the night sweat, sleep quality, but also wanted a facial oil thing. And I remember making her a facial oil that she loved that incorporated some oils to help with, quote, hormone balancing, to use those mm. qualitative mm -hmm. things. And um, 
I also made her a spritzer. And uh, I, that was really focused on hormone balancing and sleep. And like within like a week, she's like, I'm sleeping better. The hot flashes are worse. Or, and they really decreased and kind of went away. Mm. Um, another one I'm thinking, uh, a client that I've had for a few years, I'm seeing her on Wednesday. I see her like maybe once a year. Mm -hmm. um, she has problems. She's older, has problems with sleep and going to sleep. And um, I can't talk about history here, but. I know she's had trauma in her life. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember we made this spray for her to feel energized and beautiful. Mm. And she really loved it and said it helped her meet her needs for um, like, because she's a real intel intellect, and a mm -hmm. real reader. We named her Spray Sibon for the good life. And we were trying to, I remember Tarragon was in that. So I was just bringing up some really physical stuff. And then, of course, with this person I'll be seeing on Wednesday, really emotional. I saw I have a young client. She's a tween for anxiety. I made her a rollerball. So I pre-selected the oils for her. Her mom was with me because she's a, a minor. And for her anxiety, she picked the oils out of the what I gave her. And then she loves it. She says she reaches for her rollerball when... Um, she feels anxiety coming on. She's in Japan right now, and she wanted another one, so I made her another rollerball to take with her to help her with her anxious states. That's so, so nice. Uh, I don't know if I answered your question. No, Sorry. you did. I, yeah, no, I think that's fantastic because mm. I want people to understand. I think, you know, when I, in my own journey, started using essential oils, at first I think it was like a little bit of a trend, and I'm always one to jump on the, like, just natural wellness bandwagon. Like I'll try anything. I'm very early adoptive on that. I just think it's exciting and it's interesting. And um, I remember thinking, if nothing else, what this created was a pause where I'm now thinking about what's going on with me and what could help me feel better or meet the needs that I have, or it just kind of helped create that moment where you're like, okay, something's going on. What is it? As opposed to thinking like, I have a headache, I'll take Tylenol. You know, I'm, I don't know, I'm cranky. I must be depressed or whatever. Like, I don't know. So it creates that pause where I think it opens your mind to alternatives and to digging deeper and just taking a different approach that over, you know, I think immediately can have benefits, but over time certainly can start to have major benefits as you retrain your brain and create new connections and um, mellow out. I think we all have pretty frayed, um, what am I trying to say? Like there's just too much stimulation. And I think that resetting our nervous system is often like just the ticket. <laughs> it's not more complicated than that. And you can't really take a pill for that, um, nor do I think you should. So very cool. Um, okay. I want to shift a little bit into the gardening portion of what you do. Um, because coming at it from this approach as an aromatic gardener, how does that differ from just being like a normal, I, I would consider myself like a kitchen gardener. I'm, I'm herb, herb, veg, some flowers. So how is it different when you're approaching it as an aromatic gardener? I love that because you are an aromatic gardener because you probably have aromatic herbs, right? So there's many different approaches one could take to look at this like 
there's companion planting where if you're a vegetable grower, you know you could grow marigolds and rue and um, you know tomatoes and basil go together. Like there's that angle. But I st- I've stopped growing vegetables. I'm like, I'll just go to the local farmer's market. They're experts. Mm. I'm not. Um, but my approach really has been, um, full disclosure, I live in New York City and spend time out on Long Island. So I don't distill here. I okay. um, garden out on Long Island and there is a serious amount of deer because there's no predators and too many humans taking over all the land. So there's deer that love to nibble. There's the lovely rabbits, you know, the groundhogs. So when I plant aromatic plants, generally they stay away. So that became a necessity for me. If like if I really want to be by these th- these plants, invite them to live with me that are so important for my happiness, it's it's the aromatic route. Mm. And when I started to teach, I was a teacher at the New York Institute of Aromatherapy. Um, when you're teaching about these, I think, really abstract essential oils, these highly concentrated things in these little bottles, a lot of people don't know what the plant looks like. And I mm-hmm. think that's really important as a teacher, as a student. What does clary sage look like as I'm holding the bottle in my hand? I was just trimming it this week. So it's like, how can I teach about plants or have them in my practice if I don't try to understand them as they're mm-hmm. growing? And then I get to distill them and I only take a little bit, right? I grow German chamomile. I'll save some for tea. I just distill tobacco flowers and flowering tops this um, weekend, which was so exciting. I grow tobacco. Ooh, yeah. Not I'm an ex-smoker. So I think it's like me of just like, yeah, I used to have that dependency and I you know, thankfully don't smoke anymore. Um, so the answer to the question, for me, the aromatic gardening is... Living with the deer and not putting up fences. So that's that's a big thing. Yeah. Getting to know the friends that I work and have in my practice and uh, teach as an educator. It's so important to have that connection with the plants to, to understand who are you? Where do you like to grow? What conditions do you like? You know, that's, I think it's an absolute necessity as an aromatherapist. What about that? information is super informative to you? The, the information from the plants? Mm-hmm. Like, is that yeah, what helps you connect them to what people need? Yeah. Uh, great question. So one thing that's super important, and like you said before, the, these aromas, because there's so the chemicals are so small, they interact with us and impact us. When you can quiet your mind and harvest the material. Let's say you're harvesting chamomile for tea, but just you're there and you're noticing the plant and you might be talking to it and you just quiet your mind and you can notice the energy of the plant, the messages of it and how it might be in your body. When you're by the still and the chemicals are in the air, you'll notice the the medicine of the plant and it it, it does help you. And one thing I really love doing um, if you see on my website, I have these plant talk articles where I'll be like, hey, German chamomile, let's talk about that. Or I'm oh, putting cool. marjoram up soon. But what you do, and anyone could do this, is you can sit with your bottle of vetiver in my hand. And you sit and quietly smell for three to five minutes and don't think about it. Notice what is happening in your body or any visualizations you get or anything. That is the information. And then when you journal that down and do that a few times, 
you can go to a reference book and guess what? You're probably going to be like, yep, I see it's digestive. I see it's good for the lungs. Mm. You get all the information by being with that plant and that oil. And it's, it is a relationship, you know? It's so interesting. Um, I was making a joke out of something once and uh, I was talking about how I really wanted to grow St. John's wort for multiple purposes. And you are not allowed to grow it in California because it's so invasive. And I was like, well, it's invasive because the humans here need it. <laughs> like it's grow, you know, it's so easy to, cause I, I mean, it's, I think when you take it internally, it works sort of like an antidepressant. And I'm like, that's why it's running rampant through the hills of California because everybody here, I was making a joke, Californians, I'm one of you, I love you, but you know, everybody, it's just, you know, like, let's, let's take some, let's have experience some St. John's work. And so I was just laughing about it because of like, of course, this would be so available to us because it's so necessary for us. And I feel that way with um, like volunteers when they pop up in my yard, I'm always like, they're, they're telling me something like this is here for a reason. Um, so yeah, I just think that's a really exceptional and interesting part of plants. And, and I guess that's, that's belief-based, but, um, that just made me think of that. It makes me giggle the St. John's word, but I think that's really incredible and beautiful to take the time as well to experience the scents and the aromas. And I think that stillness we need to find within ourselves is really important as a total aside, uh, my husband and I talk a lot about that in terms of meditation and just like being able to sit still with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things we can do to con confront the self, right? Right. Uh, but I, I want to pick up, riff off what you just said. I remember uh, Claire Liker, a person I really admire. She owns Phoebe Aromatics in Arizona. I was just in touch with her this weekend. But I remember t um, learning from her and she was just like, plants, you'll see them show up where they're needed like you just said. And I was like, yeah, that's spot on. And one thing I love when I see a, somebody show up, when a plant shows up uh, in our yard, I'll be like, okay, it's telling me something about the soil, about the environment. Mm. You know, there's a reason it's there. And plants tell you about your surroundings. And it yeah. could be energetic, like you're saying, like we need anti-anxiety health, but you're, you're getting information about your entire yeah. environment. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I love that. That's so interesting. So what are some of your favorite, I want to say plants slash aromatics um, for whatever reason, other than they're your favorite? Well, that's it. All of them, you know, it's, it's seasonal. <laughs> it's like, who do you love? But one thing I'm trying to do, because I'm guilty of, oh, what's that? I never heard of that oil. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to get, you know, I'm, I am guilty of that, but I'm, I acknowledge that. And I'm, I'm trying to hone in on who are my local aromatics. Mm. So who am I trying to get to knowing over the past few years, there is um, sweet fern and Ooh. that ties in. I have a love of ferns. Like you wouldn't believe I love ferns so no, much. This is a thing. People <laughs> have fern fetishes, if I could call it that. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm like firm fetish adjacent. I'm fern, I'm fern curious. I'm fern curious. Like, yeah. I love it. She's, she's bag. holding up a fern bag. I'm fern curious. We're going to buy some for the house and they're very, there's something very beckoning about a fern. I don't know if yeah. it's like watching yeah. fern gully. If you're like an eighties, nineties baby or like 
anyway, 70s, I guess, too. Um, okay, uh, sweet fern. What yeah. is, tell me about it. So sweet fern is not a fern, but it's it's native to this part of the world up into Canada, um, Connecticut, Massachusetts. It's called Comptonia peregrina. And it, it it's like most essential oil-bearing plants. It shows up to reclaim spaces, so disturbed sites, but it has really unique growing conditions. You just crush the leaves, and I can't even describe the aroma like off the top of my head. It is just heaven. You can smell it when it's nearby in a sunny day. Mm. And it, it it's a like it's in the um I'm forgetting the plant family, but it grows by runners and it mm. could grow up to be these little sub shrubs up to like three feet or so. And they just wave in the breeze and they they help they could survive like the pine barrens here, like sandy mm-hmm. soil and stuff like that. And it's um, herbalists will know about sweet fern, but not everyone does. I don't want to go on and on. It's it's not easy to find the essential oil. I distill it every year for the hydrosol. Mm. Uh, it's the hydrosol is when you drink it diluted. Of course, it's incredibly clarifying to the mind. It's like mm. blows your mind open. It's like gets it clears your mind. Mm. Uh, I don't want everyone to run out looking for sweet fern now, but it's 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 a well, one hundred percent. We all are so yeah. I'm it's like, are beautiful... we, can we shop online with you or can you, should I send you my address? Like, <laughs> but it's a beautiful native aromatic. Another one I want uh, folks to know and love in North America on the East coast is Juniperus virginiana or uh, cedar wood, but hmm. it's Juniperus oh, virginiana. And it's just a gorgeous grandfather oil that is stabilizing and quiet uh, another one I'm trying to get to know even more is goldenrod. It has mm. similar properties to for calm, for calming, like chamomile. Mm. So I could say other oils, but really I th- I'm finding to be sustainability is a big issue. And the essential oil industry needs to be more responsible. Mm-hmm. So the more we can look at our what can we grow in our garden or mm. who's local, the the better we're we're doing, I think. Um, I love that. I, I truly never thought about locally sourcing oils, um, mainly because I think there's such a loud mass market, and um, which is frustrating. But I love that. I think that's fantastic advice. And I know that I'm sure there are tons of individuals and small businesses that would just be so grateful for people to work with them, source from them. And I feel like that's always where you get the best information too. Yeah, you're getting people that love stuff. And I could, I'm going to be really blunt here, if you don't mind. Like, it's not about the brand. You know, I have a lot of people like, what essential oil brand? It's like, that's, no, that's not it. That's like when we were saying <laughs> earlier, it's like, smell the oil. You know, yeah. this, this, it's not about the brand, you know, uh, it's about, it's the medicine. It's the connection. And I'm going to be really honest because I'm growing my business really slowly. I'm not making a lot of money. I'm yeah. barely, <laughs> I'm barely making money. You know, I'm yeah. grateful. I have a wonderful spouse. Mm. Um, but I know the impact essential oils have. I see it when I teach. I see it with my clients one on one, and you just see the wave of relaxation come over them, or you know, someone's like. I, I do have to share this personally when I work with myself. I'm a pretty even keel person, but I can run. I live in New York City. I'll be on edge. 
Mm. And when I when I work with myself and I have a blend, I'll always notice after a couple days. Honestly, I have a I use rollerballs. Mm-hmm. Two to three times a day, I'll apply a rollerball on my jawline. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, one, two, three. Two to three days, I'll notice I don't feel as itchy, as edgy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want people to to hear that because it's not more oils, more application all the time. It's just like you just see these little amounts mm-hmm. to shift you and nudge you in the in the direction that you need to go. Yeah, for sure. And I think that. I don't know. I think sometimes people can be a little bit distrusting of like less is more because it's so foreign a concept these days. But um, in my own gardening herbalism journey, I'm I'm learning that where it's like, you know, interact with something over time just a little bit, like be gentle and like let it become you, let it work for you. You know, it doesn't need to be this instant transformation. In fact, the more self-aware we are, the sooner we can intervene really gently and just help ourselves be redirected. I love that because it is the gentleness. You know, there, there is a, in the essential oil production world, like you'll know your plant and when, what time the oils come out at what temperature and all that, you'll have all that metrics down. You'll just be like, bam, bam, I'm throwing this stuff in one after <laughs> another. I have to make my production deadline. And, you know, lavender only blooms in a window. Mm-hmm. And I think of like the few artisanal distillers I know or myself by the still, it's it's the time you take and the mm. quietness and the the attention that you're giving and you're not cranking up the heat, you know, like you're being gentle and you're trying to coax this stuff out, yeah. you know, and yeah. I think that's so special. I think it's really beautiful, the craft that you have and the direction that you're taking it. And I'm curious, I guess, so right now you are doing an aromatherapy practitioner work and distilling as well. Um, I guess what other, what else can people find in terms of like, as they're exploring aromatherapy and aromatic gardening, what do you think they should be considering? Oh, wow. It's a good question. I already said I'm guilty of uh, like buying too many oils, but I've been slowly weeding stuff out as they expire. Like less is more. A lot of good herbalists, you'll hear them say, get to know 20 oils or 20 plants really mm. well. Like you just said, get to know them over time. That's cool. what I'm trying to do with the local aromatics. Yeah. Is, um, is just getting to know that. But something I really think is important to share is in something I do in my business, and I think all aromatherapists do, we're still at an education standpoint now, mm. where aromatherapy is still pretty new. So I think it's important for the consumer. You don't have to become an aromatherapist. Just like if you practice yoga, you don't have to become a yoga teacher. Yeah. But it's good to understand the fundamental basics of what an essential oil is, how concentrated they are, what's the safety. Mm-hmm. So I have to give a plug here. So for uh, I'm a member and the current New York State representative for the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. Mm. Um, that's a really aromatherapist-centric site, but there's a lot of good information there. Safety data, that organization helps set codes of ethics, standards for schools. If you oh, want yeah. to work, yeah. So the school I went to, uh, she had the certification under NAHA another organization I want folks to know of that's more consumer-facing. Mm. Okay. Um, the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy. 
go to both websites, but you'll see safety data, pregnancy guidelines, you know, like stuff that you're like, oh, I want to put this in a skin cream. How many drops should I use? Oh, you know, cool. There's, there's a lot of good information out there. So you don't have that. to become and an aromatherapist. To, well, then yeah. you also aren't just at the waiting, like Googling haphazardly, yeah. like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's, these that. organizations are created by people, the really influential, really important. They care. You know, there, yeah. there's a level of care, ethics, guidelines, practitioner guidelines, um, and respect uh, for the plants, for people, the earth. But please, uh, like everyone, check those websites out. And then there's someone like me that's, you know, I'm your private practitioner. I focus on education and consultations. Very so, cool. Yeah. Okay. There's something that I ask everybody, and I would love to know what your favorite books are around gardening or the subject of aromatherapy, like aromatic gardening. You did give me the heads up on that. And the books that really came to mind, one of my favorite ones I still reference to this day is Latin for Gardeners Ooh. by Lorraine Harrison. Okay. Uh, and it literally is like you look at the Latin binomial of a name and you could look it up to be like, what does that mean? Because, mm. you know, the, the Latin name gives you a clue like lavandula and gustifolia and gustifolia means fine leaf. Mm. Uh, when you see like lavandula officinalis, which is the mm. same plant, two, mm -hmm. different, two different botanical names for the same plant. Uh, officinalis means that um, the plant is recognized in pharmacopias. You know, mm. it's, it's like a medicinal plant in a pharmacopia. Mm. So I think it's a valuable book for any gardener. There's a little history. Um, I just read this book. It, it, it's called The Lives of Weeds by oh. John Cardina. And okay. it's not gardening per se, but it really looks at how intelligent plants are and how adaptable they are mm. and, and how entangled and enmeshed we are with plants and how a weed uh how a lo beloved plant could become a quote weed and what is a weed. Um, there's another book and these are more uh, like less gardening, but they're important. This goes to like what you and I do. There's the book called The Well-Gardened Mind. Oh, I loved uh, that book. Oh, see? Uh, Read it. So loved important. It. So important. Yes. Right. And that gets into some aromatherapy in there too, which I was really excited to see. Um. I was pulling out The Entangled Life, which is pretty new, all about fungi, uh, you know, and the, the mm. world of fungi and how important it is by Merlin Sheldrake. I've um, seen that one. So Pinterest is targeting me with book covers and that one keeps coming up on my page. Um, I have like an entire Pinterest page for books I want to read. They're mainly just about plants. I love it. No one's surprised. So I guess this is a sign from the universe that this it book is. is in your future. I love it. Ordering. Uh, okay, beautiful. I have this one. I should reference more, but there are so many books. The Big Book of Herbs um, by Arthur O. Tucker and Thomas oh. DiBaggio. Just a really nice about growing conditions. It even gets with the aromatics. It actually lists some of the chemistry of it. It's, oh, cool. it's a good, like, good reference book. I, I find this over the years to be really practical. Oh, awesome. And then one more, because uh, I'm a fern lover, 
uh, but Native Ferns and Mosses by William Kulina. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, not just because I love ferns, my, my spouse is like, Amy, no more ferns. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that book and another book that he wrote, Wildflowers. Um, oh, cool. He gets into like every gardener should get to know their pH and understand the importance of uh, how pH affects mineral uptake. Like their personal human pH. Oh, sorry. Uh, the pH of the soil. The soil. Okay. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, now yeah. we're really. <laughs> you know, like she's out there. But I'm no, doing yeah, the it. Soil, the soil pH, just yeah, to, yeah. to really understand the importance of that. Just okay. like we talk on now how the, we have to have an acid outside and a, a, a alkaline inside slightly. Mm. Um, I, I often will go back to some of his notes on uh, soil health and stuff like that from a gardening perspective. Because like cool. um, I'll ha- I have a winter berry shrub growing and sometimes the leaves will start to get yellow. So I know I'm like, is it too much water? And then I have mm. to think, oh, is my pH off? Because then mm. it's not taking iron up. Um, so it's it's valuable information. Just like my Absolutely. blueberry bushes, I transplanted some. And some um, have that caloric look where they're yellow. So I know there's an issue with my pH. Mm. Um, but anyway, I, I could go on. I um, love that. No, no, this has been really enlightening. I'm super excited just to dive in a little bit more to the aromatic side of things. I think it's really interesting. And I think that this makes it feel more approachable, less woo woo and more like <laughs> just, just valid, you know? And I think it is a really beautifully imperceptive part of what we do as gardeners out in nature. You know, we're always being surrounded by our senses, but it's hard. It's, it's sometimes it's hard to tap into it. So I'm excited for people to potentially go out and like turn their noses on a little bit, you know? Yeah, I love that. And just one thing, like aromatic gardening, I'm focusing us on essential oil-bearing plants. I don't bring in things that just smell pretty because mm. I'm a snob, right? And in the US, <laughs> California, you can have pretty smelling things because your climate's different. But I'm like, I want the essential oil-bearing plants. So that I didn't well, clarify that before. I think there's like an ROI to you know, where it's like, okay, I only have so much time and space available, right? Only so much of a growing season, only so much soil to allocate to what I want to grow. So like you have to start to prioritize, <laughs> you know, I mean, our, our, the conditions in California are like so great for growing, but very few people have enough space to grow as much as they want to grow, you know? So there's, but you're in the city, so I'm sure it's similar. I love how you said the return of the ROI, but yeah, we do have to prioritize. Um, but this has been such a pleasure geeking out with you. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> well, tell, um, tell everyone where, where they can find you. Should they want okay. to be in touch, get more information? Where's a good place yeah. to find you? Thank you. Uh, so I have a website, uh, nycaromatica.com. You'll see, I offer private educational sessions. So if you're, if you're like, Hey, I don't want to become an aromatherapist, but I want to spend two hours with you. You know, I could personalize material for you. I am, I did teach certification classes, so I am qualified. I'm a qualified teacher. Cool. Uh, I also do virtual like, Hey, can you make me a blend, Amy? I do that virtually as well. 
Mm, um, I love this. Yeah, check out. I have free and pay what you wish classes uh, on my my site. Def- how to diffuse oils, how to make an herbal infused oil, how to make your own cream, um, all that kind of fun stuff, and also chakras and aromatherapy, which isn't mm. pay what you wish. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, <laughs> no, actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to save it for another day. But I had a chakra massage with aromatherapy once, and it was kind of mind blowing. So. Uh- just going to put a pin in that for a later conversation. Love it. it. Um, Anyway, I have like articles, videos to help you learn the plants and get get excited with me about it, uh, them. And then I have a um, podcast. It's very, very focused on aromatherapy, but it's called Essential Aromatica. And I do invite people to tune in. This year I'm putting up on every new moon my Luna Aroma episode. So this is a baby of mine I worked on for over a year and I thought it would become a book, but it's not. Um, cool. It's a guided aromatic encounter, as I call them, where I look at seasonal themes and I pair an aromatic plant essential oil with that. Mm. So uh, th- this upcoming one for August is carrot seed and maturity oh. and there's themes. So it's a way for me to try to help people embrace essential oils make them accessible and give it um something other than like let me look in a book you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's an invitation to you know guided meditation and um ponderings on current lunar themes seriously i love that though because there's an entire i mean we're all connected to the moon it's science but also you know gardening by the moon is a really uh i think it's a really powerful practice and a lot of my friends um, in, I never, I feel confident saying, but like Appalachia, Appalachia, um, they're big into moon gardening. Uh, so it's just a very cool practice, but this is so lovely. I'm so excited to tune in and I'm so grateful for your time today. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I am. This has been a real pleasure. I, I, I love your vibe. So thank you. Thanks for having like, me as a guest. Likewise. Okay. We'll chat soon. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.